Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, this gospel today is also dark. It's also trying and difficult. It's one we have to wrestle with. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to catch Jesus on the horns of a dilemma. They want to put him in an inescapably awkward position. The scribes and Pharisees ask him. Tell us then, what's your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Well, it's a very clever question if they want to get him in trouble. If he says, yes, it's lawful to pay that census tax to Caesar, then he becomes the enemy of the people. Those who are laboring under the terrible burden of occupation and political oppression. Then he's a collaborator with the hated Romans. But if he says no, then he's in immediate danger of arrest. He might be seen by the Romans and their allies as a dangerous revolutionary, a firebrand trying to stir up the people. The scribes and Pharisees are hoping to undermine him, destroy his credibility. Now, as is his want, Jesus deftly escapes from this trap, enunciating one of his most famous one-liners. Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. Now, it's a clever line, of course, but it's much more than merely clever. It's much more than just wiggling deftly off the hook. In some ways, this response of Jesus is a resolution in principle to one of the greatest problems we face, namely the relationship between church and state, the relationship between politics and religion. Just as that is a complex and divisive question now, it was a complex and divisive question then. So let's take this line of the Lord and use it to illumine this question, to try to resolve this issue. First of all, how shouldn't we read this one-liner of Jesus? We should not read it as a simplistic bifurcation, as though there's a clearly demarcated political realm that belongs to the Caesars of the world and a clearly demarcated spiritual realm that belongs to God. We shouldn't read it that way. We certainly shouldn't read it in the modern mode, namely that the public arena belongs to politics while religion is relegated to the private dimension. I've talked to you about that before. The modern peace treaty, you can hear it in people like Thomas Jefferson, We will tolerate religion as long as it remains private. This is not how we should construe this line of Jesus. Why won't this reading do? Well, because God is God. As I've often said, God is not a being in the world, not one thing among many, not so much the supreme being hovering above the beings of the world. Rather, in our great theology... God is the sheer act of being itself. 
God is that creative power which is here and now sustaining the whole of the universe the way a singer sustains a song. What does that mean? That means that even as God transcends the whole of the world, God pervades the whole of the world. God touches on everything in existence. God presses on every aspect of creation. So we can't say, here's a a realm that doesn't belong to God. Here's a realm that belongs simply to Caesar. No, no. Everything in the world belongs to God because he's the creator of it. Let me give you some more precise examples. Does law belong to God? Yes. What is sees the lawyer, the lawyer working now at his best? A deep passion for justice. That's what informs everything a lawyer does at his best. What is justice? But God, who is justice itself. What sees the artist at her best? A deep passion for beauty that animates all that the artist does. Well, what is beauty? But God, God is the beautiful itself. What sees the doctor, the nurse, the medical technician at their best, but a deep passion for alleviating suffering? Who's God? But love itself. God grounds and pervades and animates and inspires and draws all aspects of reality at their best. Everything comes from God. Everything returns to God. This is why in the book of Revelation, in that beautiful vision of the heavenly Jerusalem, we hear there's no temple. Because in the heavenly Jerusalem, when all is properly ordered, the city itself has become a temple. Everything in the city from the law courts to the sports arenas to the banks, everything in the city is related to God, grounded in God, is itself the temple. So, what about our question now of religion and politics? This same principle has to apply. Politics is not a realm absolutely separate from the religious. Rather, its deepest ground and purpose is spiritual. Let me give you a little taste of St. Thomas Aquinas here. In Thomas's Summa Theologiae, you'll find a treatise on law, the nature of law. Here's what he says. The prime law is the eternal law, which is the same as the mind of God. The eternal law is the divine order by which all the universe is governed. There's a reflection of the eternal law. Thomas calls it the natural law. It abides in you and me. It abides in our minds and hearts. We know its principles by a kind of immediate intuition. The natural law grounds morality. All of our moral intuitions come from the natural law. The natural law participates in the eternal law, comes from it, reflects it. Now, a third step in Thomas's doctrine of law positive law. That means human law. That means everything from traffic regulations to antitrust legislation to the last bit of legislation being debated now by the Congress. All of that positive law is in turn a reflection of the natural law. The purpose of the law is to make us good. In the Catholic reading, the purpose of the law is to reflect the moral imperatives of the natural law, which in turn are grounded in 
the eternal law of the divine mind. What's my point here? All law, the very stuff of politics, has to do with God because positive law nests in the natural law, which nests in the eternal law of God. This is why, by the way, we are obliged to resist unjust laws. Unjust laws are not just a political problem. They're a moral problem and a spiritual problem. Reread here, by the way, Martin Luther King's great letter from the Birmingham City Jail, in which he quotes Thomas Aquinas precisely on the point I'm making. Why was King resisting the unjust Jim Crow laws of the South? Not just because they were politically problematic, not just because they were a moral affront, but because they were a spiritual affront to God. That's good Catholic understanding of the nature of law. We must not read Jesus' statement here, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, the things of God, the things that are God's. We shouldn't read that in a simplistic, divisive, bifurcated way. No, no, no. Everything in creation belongs to God. Okay. So do we go to the other extreme? Do we say that religion just swallows everything up? That priests, for example, should be constantly supervising everything? supervising the work of artists and poets and politicians and lawyers. No. And here's where the distinction, I think, comes into play. Jesus says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Is there a legitimate independence to creation? Yes. And Christians, it's the flip side of the doctrine of creation. I was articulating a little bit earlier One side of it, since all things are created by God, all things are related to God. Yes, that remains the case. I don't gainsay one thing. But the flip side, because all things are created, nothing in the world is God. Everything in the world has its own independence, relatively speaking. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Is there a legitimate realm of independence? Yes. Would I, as a priest, burst into the Cubs dugout and begin telling Dusty Baker how to manage the Cubs? Now, maybe I should, Cub fans might say. But why wouldn't I do that? Because that realm has its own legitimate independence. Is it related to religion? Yes, it is. I mentioned all sports are related to religion. Sure they are. Everything is. But Nevertheless, I don't come in as a priest and dictate how Dusty Baker should manage the Cubs. No, no, that's his own prerogative. That's his own dimension. Do I come bursting in to the operating theater and tell the doctor how to operate? Well, of course not. Of course not. Is his work as a doctor, as a surgeon, related to the things of God? Yes. And should I, as a priest, speak to that? Yes. But the doctor has his own legitimate independent realm his own rules and laws and regulations and disciplines and practices. And I, as a priest, know nothing about that. And I should render to the doctor the things that are legitimately the doctor's. Do I burst into a courtroom, tell the lawyer how to present his case, undermine the strategy he's been employing? Well, of course not. No, no. The lawyer has his own world, his own independence. He studied the 
particulars and details of that particular excellence. I don't, finally, parade around City Hall or the halls of Congress or the White House as a priest dictating how legislation is to be formulated. That is not in my business. I'm rendering there to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Sure. But I don't gainsay for a second that all of politics and all of law has a moral and spiritual dimension. And yes, indeed, I do speak to that. It's a subtle game here, Christians, isn't it? This question is complicated. And I think we can use this dictum of the Lord to help us illumine both sides of it. If we don't render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, then religion becomes overbearing. Then it's as though the spiritual simply swallows up the secular. We are violating one side of the doctrine of creation, which lets things be. On the other hand, if we don't, if we don't emphasize the connection, the intimate connection between God and all things, then we undermine what they're supposed to be. Here's a way maybe just to sum it up in conclusion. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Good. He's got his legitimate realm of independence. And render to God the things that are God. Quite right. Including Caesar. (laughs) See what I mean? Even as we render to Caesar what's legitimately his, we acknowledge as people of faith that Caesar, politics, law, belongs to God. Let the Lord's saying sink into your heart as we wrestle with this difficult issue. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.